0: All right, joining us now from summer near Heartland, our good buddy Al Bat. Good morning, Al.
1: Good morning, Karen. Good morning, everyone. Another beautiful day here in paradise. So,
0: it's okay, going to yeah. be humid and hot today. It's, it was sort of like fall, and now the, the summer's back, and then next week looks like another nice fall week again.
1: Oh, well, that's good. I, boy, I love fall. I I love pretty much all weather except that, real humid stuff and I know it's because I'm not corn. I know the corn (laughs) likes that a lot but I just I don't know. I I remember as a kid uh, going out and baling hay and doing all kinds of things you know you wanted to wait for a little dry to bale hay usually but you didn't always have that that freedom to kind of pick a day and uh, it was was so hot and humid sometimes and it didn't seem to bother me but now I kind of whine about a little bit and growl a bit.
0: Do you know there's uh, actually a a thing on Facebook that I've seen that that I've seen some farm people post that says you really don't know what hard work is until you've baled hay when it's 100 degrees and sunshine outside and having to bend up in the hay mow where it's 130 plus uh, under the metal roof uh, of the the barn. You know really that that really was (laughs) hard work and I can relate to that but back then as a kid you know getting sweating and getting all that hay chaff and I think about it now and it, it just doesn't appeal to me at all but then I didn't even know the difference
1: and I always uh, say that cleaning the chicken house was the worst job on the farm but <laughs> I, that working up in the hay mouth oh, during bailing awful. had to be right up there and my dad would always claim that job and we would try to talk him out of there and of course being a guy it he was hard to yeah. talk him out of there because the more you tried to talk him out of it, the s- more stubborn he got. But that was just, it was a lot of fun being out in the hay rack compared to being up in that hay mow because there was just no air, even with the doors open. There was just nothing up there.
0: And it was but scratchy, went, and it was, it, you had that chaff going down, and you couldn't get, get, shake it off ever, and, and then you had bales yep. falling on top of you from above all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But he didn't. He probably didn't have to deal with us, so it was probably a good thing being up there. We always said he, you know, because we thought he was getting so old that he should just drive the tractor while we bail yeah. and leave all the work to us. But that would that would kind of tick him off, you know. And then he'd mm-hmm. say, well, you know, he can do as much work as we can, you know. That was my dad too.
0: That must be a farmer trade, because my dad was like that, even when he retired, supposedly at age seventy, something he had to go to work, he went to work in the Polaris factory and in a plastics place, and they he just just can't slow down for some reason.
1: no, a guy uh, my dad always said, a guy needs somewhere to go, mhm. So you just, uh, and I think that's why a, a lot of folks end up at, uh, like, the Loafers Club meetings or uh, what was, uh, when I was out in Michigan, they had a meatloaf group where they meet and the loaf guys yeah. just come in there and kind of report in every day. So, you know, we live in southern Minnesota, but I live in the northern part of the county I live in, so to... To some people who live farther south here, I live in northern Minnesota, so it's a a cool thing to be able to go outside. I had a little hummingbird zip by me, just right by my ear. I was putting out some grape jelly for the Orioles, and a little hummingbird just went right by my ear. And I had to look it up. A friend by the name of Orwin Rustad, who I had the pleasure of writing about, Oh, gosh, Uh, a good number of years ago. And he was from Faribault, and he is the late Orwin Rustad now, and he taught at Shattuck. And he watched hummingbirds and everything else for years. He was doing phenology from probably way back before we even knew what phenology was. And the last day he saw a hummingbird each year there in Faribault was on uh, September 23rd on average in in his area. I think he did a lot of them out in the area of what is now River Bend Nature Center. And uh, I, I just think that's cool that they kind of have a date when they're out of here. I saw a male cardinal, and it was so, uh, boy, searching for a word here, uh, red, although it's not perfectly red yet. It's got kind of gray on it. And they go into winter with kind of a grayish look to it, and then they wear those feathers down, and the gray part goes away. So then come spring, we have this brilliant red cardinal. But I found some turkey feathers on the lawn. We have turkeys at our place here that wander through and going here and there. And you'll see a lot of them, folks, as you drive around now, they're in road ditches which isn't the safest place for turkey to be, but it's a place where there are a lot of grasshoppers and things that they like to eat. So this time of year, you'll see a lot of them down in there. And at the end of summer, many birds begin to replace feathers in a mold. And when we had free-range chickens, we raised chickens for many years, it could take them one to two months to complete a mold. So they look kind of tough for a month or two. And wild birds, uh, they're about the same. Most songbirds take one or two months, the little guys that we see at our feeders. With the largest of our songbirds, the common raven, taking four to five months. Wow. Uh, Molting can be more complicated for larger birds because, well, larger feathers take longer to grow. So that's why some birds undergo partial molts. Uh, We notice molting a lot in ducks and geese here because it leaves them flightless. And some species acquire adult plumages in a single year. Others, such as bald eagles, require up to five years. Gulls can be all over three, four years. Uh, I put out a bit of food for the crows. I like crows. Oh, you're nice. (laughs) Yeah, they'll eat pretty much anything. And they raised a ruckus because they, you know, they don't like you, but they like you because you put out food, but they don't want you to know that they like you. And when the noise subsided, they flew in and they grabbed all the grubs. So there were loud sounds and then food gone. So I guess it was cause and effect. Uh, Mary Peichel. Mary lives down by Fairfax and she said seeing fawns with spots. Yeah, there are still uh, some fawns out there, just late arrivals still have spots. So uh, Beth Cotter of Albert Lee uh, asked me about a dragonfly that she'd seen, and I told her what I thought it was, and she sent me a photo, and it's nice to occasionally be right. It happens so seldom, but it definitely was a common white-tail dragonfly, which is a beautiful, Has a part of the uh, body of it is, is white. Uh, Dennis Nelson of Austin said saw two pairs of twin fawns. Uh, Rita Grandson and Benny Lucas, they live down in Mason City and they bird at a place called Parker's Woods regularly. That's in Mason City. And then they went out to McIntosh Woods, which is a state park near Ventura. And they saw 16 species of warblers, including a golden-winged canada and black-throated green. They also saw an upland sandpiper at Union Hills. They said otherwise all the shorebirds were killdeer. Chad Hines of Mankato said on August 26th, if you hadn't noticed, it's been colder than it should be for this time of year. That was particularly noticeable this morning when I looked out my window and saw a female purple finch. I've never had one in August before, but there are many migrants that appear to be pushing along earlier than usual with the cooler weather other passerine migrants today wilson's warbler canada warbler american red start national warbler eastern wood peewee baltimore oriole and rose-breasted grosbeak hummingbird traffic has really picked up as well it sounds like we're supposed to have a mostly southerly winds for the next week with the exception of saturday so migration should slow a bit liz better of our botcher i think you know i've known liz forever And she has one of those names that I know, Botchers and Betchers, uh, B-O-E-T-T-C-H-E-R. Liz is just the nicest person on earth. And you'd think, knowing her, as long as I have, I would get her name right. But I know Betchers and Botchers, and she's definitely one of them, and I think one of the best of them. Uh, Liz is from Blue Earth, and Liz said, I am going to be gone on vacation for 10 days. In mid-September, which means no one will be filling and cleaning my hummingbird feeder during that time. I couldn't find anyone willing to babysit the little darlings. I plan to empty and clean it, put it away while I'm gone, and get it back out when I return. The question is, what will the hummingbirds eat while I'm gone? I hope I'm not putting them in danger of starving. Mm. You know they're going to find something, Liz. That's what they do. That's their job is to find something to eat. So they're going to go over to the neighbors who has the hummingbird feeders. They're going to hang around your yard if you have some uh, flowers in the yard still remaining. So you know, uh, have a good time and don't feel guilty. They'll uh, they'll do okay and they'll uh, they'll probably think fondly of you and miss you in in your absence. Uh, Jim Steen of Freeborn said he saw the longest wasp he'd ever seen in his life, and he described it to me. And it's an ichneumon, uh, that'd be I-C-H-N-E-U-M-O-N. And they're a good long wasp to begin with, but when they start to lay eggs, the female drops this long ovipositor, which is an egg-laying tube that she drills a hole in a tree and puts an egg in there. But it makes it look as if she has this gigantic stinger coming out. So it uh, it can scare years off a person's life. But for the most part, again, she doesn't want to sting you. She's got other more important things on her mind than causing you aggravation and pain. Uh, Jim Cady of Albert Lee said, I live on Country Club Road, and I've been seeing this bird in the early evening perching in a dead tree by the pond on the former Country Club property south of my house. I cannot identify. It looks like possibly a peregrine, white front and mostly white head. Thought you might take a look. And I did, Jim. Last time I was in Elberlea, I swung out there, and it's a beautiful osprey. So it's really neat to see ospreys. Uh, peregrine certainly could be a possibility, but uh, the one I saw was an osprey. Uh, Carolyn Smith, who also lives in Alberta, he said, Hi Al, my hummingbirds are acting strangely. I'm seeing them a lot more, but not so much at the feeder. They're buzzing around my windows as if they would like to get inside. Are they cold? Are they getting ready to go south? I feel bad for them. Well, uh, are they cold? You know, Not today, probably, but uh, I'm sure they have been. Are they getting ready to go south? You bet. I can't imagine they would be battling with their images in the glass, so I suspect it would have been would have something to do with food. And they eat a lot of tiny flying insects, things that we think of as gnats and fruit flies, that sort of thing. Uh, you can put out a an old banana that's gone well past its best use by date, and it will attract these kind of things. And hummingbirds will eat them. So I'm thinking maybe they're finding these guys on your window. And I suppose it's possible that there's a reflection in the window of something red or something that resembles flowers, or maybe there's flowers by the window. Uh, Did you have a feeder in that spot before? Hummingbirds have incredibly good memories for locations of feeders. So when they come through an area, if you move a feeder, they very often will go check out where the feeder used to be first because they remember it being there. Hmm. Uh, Jack Brush of New Ulm uh, showed me a caterpillar of the Eastern Tiger Swallowtail, just a cool cool and creepy both at the same time. Uh, John Nelson of Good Thunder said on August 30th, just as we thought the Baltimore Orioles' presence would begin to decline, 15, including three adult males, fought for position at the grape jelly feeders. And yeah, the adult males are still around. I'm looking out my window here. I'm seeing three of them, and two of them are adult males. Uh, there's no name on this one. It's just uh, the letter L. So it said, is there a good online source of bird song? You know, there are many, but I think if I had to pick one, it would be Zeno Canto. and it's a website dedicated to sharing bird sounds from around the world. So people from all over download these onto this site or upload them onto this site, and it's Xeno, X-E-N-O, and I think there's a dash in there, and then it's C-A-N-T-O. And it's just a really cool thing. You can go on there and say, boy, I want to check out Eastern Wood Peewee. And there'll be 50 things will pop up there. And one of them say Eastern Wood Peewee, Minnesota or Iowa. And it's just a, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, Paul Schwab, good friend from Owatonna, he wondered if fledgling male goldfinches will be yellow now and then change before winter, or do they get their first yellow in the spring? Well, the young males do get a little bit of yellow feathers early, so you can tell them from a young female, but they don't turn bright yellow until their second summer. And one thing that's interesting about there's so many things interesting about goldfinches, the more mature the adult male, the more extensive the bright white patches on his tail feathers. So if you see a lot of white, that's an older male. And another interesting aside is that the goldfinch's legs feet and bill change from a dark grayish brown to a buffy yellow orange color in the spring and there's a lot of um, our birds that do that I think of American white pelicans I was off at the, on the pelican breeze on on Sunday and I should thank everybody for joining me we had an overfilled boat we had to turn down um, I don't a, a lot of Isn't that dangerous to
0: overload a boat? I mean, weren't you worried about sinking or something and have extra rafts? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes all the seats were taken and we were uh, we were actually renting the life preservers for 49.95 and i know that <laughs> seems like a lot but you know if it saves your life only once it's <laughs> well worth it. it but yeah. i i do want to thank uh, not only all those people that were on the boat but all those folks that showed up and had to be turned away i i feel guilty and terrible about it but it was so nice to, that y'all showed up and maybe another time But the pelicans out there, because this boat is named the Pelican Breeze, pelicans, when they're in uh, breeding plumage, they not only get that horn on their upper bill, but they're more colorful. They're brighter orange around the eye and their bill and everything. And afterwards, it fades. You know, now that I think about this, you mentioned something about... Uh, insects, I don't know why it occurs to me now, and I was going to answer your question, you asked if there were albino insects, this was probably a couple weeks ago, Karen, so I apologize for being so tardy in my response, but I'm not aware of any albino insects or spiders, if anybody knows uh, anything more than that, I don't. I do know that insects endemic to caves are very white, because there's no sunlight gets in there. And sometimes those in the immediate aftermath of shedding their exoskeletons, we have we think of cicadas as probably the prime example around here, where they come out and they shed that exoskeleton and leave it stuck on a tree. Sometimes these insects that immediately come out of there uh, certainly could be white, but I, I still I don't know of any. Uh, I'll be happily proven wrong, uh, Dan. Daniel lives out in Hayward, and he said uh, his wife got into some wild parsnip and got burns. And uh, said uh, he's asked if we've had wild parsnip for very long, and he also asked if wild cucumber is native. Uh, wild parsnip has certainly been in the news and everything. Part of that is uh, because it's it's expanding its range. I shouldn't say it's expanding its range; it's just getting thicker. It's it's density is getting more. And more around the Twin Cities, so it gets to a lot more of uh, the big newspapers and TV stations and things. So they're always looking for news of, you know, when sharks attack or when wild parsnip attacks. So now it's all around. But as a boy, I knew wild parsnip as a tenacious weed that the cows wouldn't eat and we baled wild hay, and sometimes wild parsnip was in there, put it down in front of the cows, and they'd give you, are you kidding me? I'm not eating this stuff. And the plant looks similar to Queen Anne's lace, but the flowers of the wild parsnip are yellowish-green instead of the white of Queen Anne's lace. And you'll see a lot of Queen Anne's lace along roadways and prairies now. Uh, Wild parsnip, I've heard it gets up to 7 foot but most of ice here, three to five feet tall. And they have narrow ridges on the stalks. And again, these small yellow flowers, and they bloom in June or July in clusters called compound umbels. And the juice of the parsnip on skin exposed to sunlight can result in a burn. And I've talked to fishermen along the River who have been getting these burns for many years. Uh, Some people go out and they will weed whip so they're out there with this oh, thing, and yeah. the is flying oh. around. And what do they call it? Phytophotodermatitis, I think, is the, the name of that. But you can get this skin discoloration and nasty burns, and that discoloration may last up to two years. Whoa. And wild parsnip is native to Europe and Asia. It's found throughout most of Minnesota, again, where it's increasing its density. And according to the records of the Wisconsin State Herbarium, The plant was recorded in Wisconsin in 1896. Many scientists and some records show that colonists brought the plant to the United States, or to North America, in the 1600s. And in reading Child's History of Waseca County, I found wild parsnip mentioned in 1858. In late summer, as far as the wild cucumber, Daniel, in late summer, trees or shrubs are festooned with wild cucumber vines that produce a fragrant uh, yellowish-white flowers. And the fruit resembles a small, round cucumber with spines on it. And it's fast-growing, warm-season annual that is native. So your two questions, uh, have we had wild parsnip for long? Yeah much forever and if wild cucumber is a native it is daniel and arnold i think it's colpin i know arnold too i just met him the other day and he was a former mayor of newall last name is k-o-e-l-p-i-n just a, a wonderful guy and he said i didn't see many June bugs this year why hmm. you know boy arnold it hurts i'm a guy so <laughs> it's really hard for us to say this but i don't know uh, the insects, some people call them May beetles or June beetles, are about an inch long, a chestnut brown color, and they fly to lights in early summer. So and they make, lots of,
0: they make lots of noise on the screen. I always remember that growing up, hearing them. They sounded like helicopters when they hit your screen and just go up and down and vibrate.
1: Did you see or hear any of them this year?
0: You know, I think there I, there was two on my bathroom screen, but that's, that's about it this year, so not a lot.
1: And a lot of it is because of our houses, the way they're set up now with uh, air conditioning and various things like that. We don't use the screen so much, so we don't, we miss out on some of that. Mm -hmm. But I just, and I don't know, you always say, well, it's weather, but I have no idea why we didn't. I do know that the grubs are whitish, and they have these brown heads, and they're usually found curled in a C shape. They're probably from a half inch to an inch long. We used to find them in the manure piles, and we'd take them and go fishing. Wait a minute. How, they,
0: how fat are they? Are they kind of skinny?
1: No, they're pretty, they're kind of chubby. Fellas.
0: Okay, because I, I remember digging this spring and seeing lots of little worms in, in a C-shape that were about an inch long, but they were kind of more thin. So I didn't know what those were. Do you have any idea what those might have been?
1: I don't. I do know that the the June beetle or may beetle they're the largest grubs that oh, you'll find okay. in your lawn in right. the turf and uh, arnold i didn't see many of them this year either so i'm as uh, perplexed as you are about it but it's a a great question and i appreciate you man he was mayor of new Alm. i appreciate anybody <laughs> that's uh, willing to take undertakes it's that. So
0: well, now you've been I a county, com- haven't you been a county commissioner or a county supervisor? So you've done your fair share of, of political work, haven't you, as well?
1: I'm even higher than that. I'm a township official. Wow. Well, yeah.
0: I, so I'm going to ask you this, and we're going to get this on live radio. Are you going to throw your hat in the ring for the presidential bid because everybody else seems to have? And I'm thinking there, there's room for a guy like you.
1: You know, I was going to, but Kanye West beat me, to it, <laughs> so I'm out. <laughs>
0: You can't it's, compete with that, right?
1: <laughs> that's right. I cannot. It's just, uh, it's mu- it's much more fun just sitting on the porch and watching all the goings on with all these. Speaking of that, you know, we're still going to get a restaurant here one of these first days. Oh, cafe, okay. But I I need to travel around. I sat in a restaurant. Uh, this was down in Louisiana. And it was one of those that had a little joking thing that they offered vegetarian meals featuring meatless cookies. But there was a fly, because this, uh, this was down in the bayou, so it was a place uh, oh, with the screen doors that slapped when you open and shut them. And the, but there was a fly that kept visiting my table regularly. And I thought about the schoolboys back in the day that attempted to catch a fly in hand and then pretend to eat it. And there's a word, it's called gobamush, which refers to someone who swallows flies. And yeah. It can also apply to someone whose mouth is always open. So during the all these election things going on, there's a lot of gobal out there. <laughs> but above the door of the eatery was a Ziploc bag filled with water and containing a few pennies. And I didn't have to ask him, but I knew what that was. It was a that thing is supposed to act as a homemade fly repellent. And the idea oh. is that the water filled bag creates an optical illusion that scares flies away, that the light refracted in the water confuses the flies, or the flies are frightened by their oversized reflections in the bag. Uh, none of these hold. Hello? And it tested these bags and found them of no use in discouraging flies. However, the fly that was visiting me landed on my knife. I growled at it, and it flew off the handle. So, I hope nobody flies off the handle today with all the the humid weather. Um, Karen making their days better. So you should keep them uh, keep uh, their attitudes.
0: Hey, Al, are you yeah. going to be up at the state fair at all? Because remember that one year they had that scarecrow contest and somebody had made an Bat scarecrow, yeah. which was yeah. pretty scary, by the way, and I saw it and I knew it was you, which I thought, wow, that was a really good likeness. Are you up there live or in scarecrow costume?
1: You know, the uh, attendance at the fair dropped by several thousand just because that scarecrow was was there, is what they <laughs> tell me, so no. Uh, I, I did get, I uh, had a couple opportunities, but, Boy, I just, it's it's hard. So I know you are going to be there, so that's much better than having me there.
0: Right. KMSU will be there live on Friday and Saturday, broadcasting live, so it'll be a lot of fun.
1: And then uh, you can announce that Gully will be running for president.
0: Yeah, well, you know, night. I think he was going to do that. I think he's got some, some... Oh, I let the cat
1: out of the bag. <gasps>
0: yeah, I think you've ruined it. Because we were going to, you know, I think he has some giveaways for KMSU, and he figures if he gives stuff away, then people will, he can, you know, get their vote because of that.
1: Well, he'll win. There's no doubt.
0: Yeah, because he's giving KMSU bags, and what what else would you want?
1: That's
0: right. <laughs> well, Al, it's always great to chat with you. We will be back again next week. Until then, uh, stay cool.
1: Thanks. Thanks, everyone, for listening.
0: All right. Bye-bye, Al.